Well, great morning, Victory Midtown. I don't know about you, but I already sense and feel the presence of the Lord in the house today. If you're like me, can you just put your hands together right now and thank God for a great atmosphere of freedom and liberty and grace that the Lord gives us. It's so good to be here today and going along with that prayer that Pastor Drea just led us in, I feel like I want to just kind of stir the atmosphere just a little bit more. The reason being is because the word that I have to minister today is not a passive word. The word that I have to minister today is an activating word. And yesterday at corporate prayer, we prayed into this word and we started to see God activating things already. And I wanna encourage you again, if you've never made it to a Saturday morning prayer, please come 8 a.m. every Saturday right here at Victory Midtown. But what I wanna do just for a moment, probably for about 30 to 45 seconds, I want you to join me in just setting your heart to be ready to receive this seed of the word that's getting ready to drop on you. Because I truly believe, I don't just say this as a cliche, I don't believe in just coming to church just to go through the motions. I don't believe in coming to church because it's the thing to do on a Sunday. It's too cold outside. I've had a long week. And if I'm gonna come into the house of the Lord, I come with expectation. And so I believe I'm in a house filled with people who have an expectation. So if you would, can you just bow your heads and just start to pray with me right now. Start to say, Lord, prepare my heart. God, allow me to be ready for this word. Start to ask him how you want to be transformed in this moment. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you that as we are here today, we are here on purpose. God, we didn't just limp in here today. We didn't just fall in here today, but we made a decision to come in here today because we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We want to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so God, before I even say one word in this message, I declare today that your word is being established in our hearts, that your word is being sensitized in us right now. And I pray, God, that as I open my mouth, that you take every word from my mouth and you transport it, translate it into the very need that every person has for your glory. So God, I give you all the praise and all the glory. I say everything that I have to offer today, I decrease and ask that you increase the more so that we can truly be transformed in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Yeah, you can give God a great hand clap of praise right there. Hallelujah. Well, listen, this word is in my spirit. It's been bubbling up in me for the last probably about a week. And I believe that God wants to speak something intentional to us. Say intentional. He wants us to be intentional. And as we are in week two today of our series, Sent, we are in this series really kind of talking about the church. And what we're not doing is we're not trying to just have a marketing session or a marketing message about why it's good to come to Victory Church. We're not even talking about why it's good just to come to church. What we're talking about is what is the purpose of church and how we are, how are we supposed to operate within the confines of church. And so we posed two questions last week that I wanna just remind us of this week. And the first question was this. It was, is the church a place you attend or is it a movement of God that you're a part of personally? 
Is the church just something you come to attend and come check the box and even serve and come and just kind of be a part of the mix? Or is this where you see it as a movement of God that you are personally vested in? The second question I asked last week was, what is the church supposed to be like? Because we all know that we see different forms and fashions of what church has become. But I will tell you very honestly and very boldly that every church is not made equal. What do I mean by that? I'm not exalting one or the other, but I am saying that some people have got a little bit off track. And so we want to make sure that we are on track and that we're on purpose in the things of God. And so we settled last week that, yes, the gathering is important. Yes, it's so needed for us to come here, but it shouldn't stop here. We talked about the fact that we made this statement. If you didn't catch this, I want you to catch it today, that church is important because we are here. We are coming to church to gather to worship so that we can go ahead and scatter to witness. We said, yes, it's important to come in, to gather to worship God, to gather to be equipped so that we can be sent out to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the great thing about what we're walking in right now is that we have an opportunity as we're stepping into this study on the book of Acts. I said this last week, and I was talking to a pastor friend the other day, and I was explaining what we're doing. And I said, we're talking about Acts because Acts is about that action. When you read the Bible, the Bible should excite you. The Bible should stir you. If you've not been excited about the word, I might venture to say that maybe you've been looking at it with the wrong eyes. I would venture to say that maybe you've been reading the Bible as a historical document instead of a living word of activation. And so today, as we are talking about this fact that Acts is about action, I want to let us know that we have an opportunity to get into the game. Say, I want to. Get in the game. Get in the game. I believe, I'm very confident about this, and I'm not just saying this because it's a nice thing to say, but I believe that here at Victory Midtown, all of us are in a place that at one time or another, we wanted to be people who got in the game and who were about that action. Why do I say that? I was thinking about this this week, and I said, you know, when you look back and when you're in your younger years in elementary school and they go around and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't think a whole lot of people, when you're a little kid, you say, well, I just want to play it safe. I just want to blend in. I want to just grow old and die. If your kids are saying that, we need to bring them the victory kids (laughs) and get them resurrected in Jesus Christ. No, we hear kids most of the time, and most of us have said stuff like, no, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an architect. I want to be a scientist. I want to be the president of the United States. Nowadays, you hear kids saying, I want to be a gamer. I want to be a YouTube influencer. Nothing's wrong with that because what they're simply saying is, I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be a person who lives in life as a person that is mundane. I want to be active in the game of life. Amen? And so this made me think about a parallel in my life as I prepare for this message. And I thought about a time where I desperately wanted to get in the game. I thought back to my freshman year of college when I went to school, Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, on a dual scholarship to play football and tennis. And I showed up a couple weeks before school started for training camp. I showed up as this bucking 145 pounds, soaking wet, 5'10 wide receiver who have 
had desires to play football on the next level. And I remember going, and I was excited to play. And one of my reputations in high school since that time was that you can count on one thing from me. You could count on that you were not going to outwork Momo. They used to call me Momo back in the day. When I grew up, I dropped the Mo. Don't call me Momo. (laughs) Be a little weird, be a grown man walking around. Momo, nope, don't do that. So, so as I translated through this and, and I went through this, I quickly realized when I showed up to camp that everyone was a little bigger, that everyone was a little stronger, everyone was a little, if not a lot faster, and I quickly realized, Mo, you're not in Decatur anymore. <laughs> and so as I walked through this, What I did say is that there were some things that were really working against me. I I settled for the fact and understood at that time that maybe I was a little bit of a late bloomer physically. That when I showed up, I I literally would stand in awe of some of my teammates that could do certain things. They came in, they were freshmen just like like me, sophomores, uh, juniors, seniors, doing things that I was amazed at. And I settled there and said, well, maybe it's just going to take me some time to develop. But from the beginning, say from the beginning. From the beginning, beginning, I made a vow to myself that I would control what I could control. That I would work hard. That I would lift the weights. That I would condition. That I would prepare so that I would be ready when my opportunity came my way. And so the first game of the season came along, and I'm actually fighting through some bad memories right now as I'm thinking about this. The first game of the season came about, and I remember my teammates and I, especially my freshman class, we came in with a a large freshman class of wide receivers that year, and and we would do this thing on game day. If you've ever played football, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Our coach, our offensive coordinator, he would walk around, and we thought if we stayed close enough to him, he was going to grab us and turn around and take the first person and put us in the game. And so you would literally see us walking around the field. He would be pacing up up and down the sideline, and we'd be just doing this. And so he would do this game after game, and I remember the first game, and he he turned around. It's almost like he looked, and he would look us in the eye, and I remember him looking me in the eye and then, like, doing this and saying, no, not you, you. (laughs) I said, well, maybe that was just a special play for them. (laughs) And so the game would go on, and it would be the fourth quarter, and I'm still, and this happened for 10 games. This happened all of my freshman year, where I would feel like he would almost look back and look through me to see somebody else. And in that moment, this actually went all the way through my sophomore year, but I determined all through that time that I would not give up. I determined that I would still work hard. I determined that from the beginning, you would know that I'm going to be prepared. And so two years went by of me being overlooked. Two years went by where my teammates even started to talk to me sometimes at practice like, man, you're doing all that hard work. You're not getting in the game. Have you ever had some people that when you're trying to do right, (laughs) they will come to you and try to bring you down so that you settle for doing wrong? 
And I remember those times and I had to fight off those thoughts. I had to fight off the temptation to settle because I saw some other people on my team settle because they were getting looked over as well. But I decided that won't be my portion. I decided at that time, at that time I was already a believer. I was already on fire for God. And I said, I'm going to do what I need to do unto the Lord. Because I believe as I plant seeds to the Lord that the, the principle of sowing and reaping never lies. And so my question to us today, again, is have you ever felt like you have not been the one chosen for some reason or another and that you've been overlooked? Am I talking to a church today that you have even some PTSD from not being picked on the kickball field? For every time a pickup game was played, you would be the last one picked because they had no choice. Am I talking to some people that in this place that you didn't get the job and the other person got promoted and you know their character? Am I talking to a person in here who you've been wanting and desiring to get married for a long time and you're still single and you've been a forever a bridesmaid so much that you can actually write a manual on it and actually start a master class? Am I talking to some people in this room today that no matter how hard you felt like you've tried, you felt like it's just not enough. And so what I feel today is I need to let you know that there's some good news. What is the good news? The good news is that life is not over. The good news is that whether you're 80 or you're eight years old, that it's not over until God says it's over. And if you're still living, it's not over. And I came by here this morning to remind us that we have to stay the course, that we have to understand that God has great and mighty things on the inside of you. He has this word called potential on the inside of you. Somebody say potential. He has potential on the inside of you. And I need to just give you a definition, a level set today, because I don't want to assume that we all know what it means. Potential simply means this. It is the sum of who you are, of what you can do of what God can do through you that you haven't done yet. Say yet. yet. That you haven't done yet. And one of my favorite Bible verses is this in Psalm 139, 14. It says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Can I give you a little secret that you have to know full well that God meticulously made you. You have to know full well that he was intentional about you. You have to know full well that even when the world around you does not look like it's for you, that you have to know full well that he fearfully and wonderfully made you. And so again, there's something about potential not surfacing yet but I also need to give us a balancing statement that there's some keys and some principles to realizing that potential. Because if you haven't noticed, I'm not a happy, happy, joy, joy preacher. I'm a balanced gospel preacher that I need to let you know that as you pray for things, we also have responsibility, amen? Yeah. I said that at the beginning of this year, that God is saying that this year we need to walk with him, but in order to walk with him, we have to take a step. And so here's the thing, last week, as we're talking about the book of Acts, we we're starting this and we're really walking through this story and I wanna share with us a story that's seldom talked about in the book of Acts. In Acts one, we talked about the fact that Jesus told the disciples to wait 
until he came back so that they could actually receive power from the Holy Spirit. So they did that. But today in Acts 1, as we continue, we're going to see that while they were waiting, God was working. Can I say that one more time for somebody? While they were waiting, God was working. And while they were waiting, what they did is they decided that they need to handle some very important business. Can I give you a little quick early commercial brought to you by Jesus Christ? That just because God says wait, that doesn't mean just stay still. Just because God says wait, that doesn't mean be inactive. Just because God says wait, a lot of times there is some do business until I come associated with that. And so they did this, and here's what we need to see. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the, the scripture had been fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And so this is right after Judas had betrayed Jesus after he had died. And now, instead of it being 12 disciples, all of a sudden now there were 11. And so here's the thing. When we read the Bible, again, I've been saying this the last several weeks. Slow down when you read the Bible. Start taking the context clues that are actually being given to us when we read the Bible. The Bible tells us that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, but he still picked him. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, but the disciples didn't. He was their friend. He walked around them. He was close to them. He even probably helped them operate in some of the signs and wonders through Jesus' three years here on earth in ministry, active. But in this moment, they're mourning the fact that their friend just stabbed them in the back. They're mourning the fact that their friend is no longer answering their calls. They're mourning the fact that the person that used to be able to pick up the phone and call at a drop of a notice now has them on D&D and no longer on their favorites. And right here, Peter is processing the pain. And so this problem that now they only have 11 instead of 12, it's a problem because it was symbolically important. Watch this. It was symbolically important in every way to have 12 disciples. Why? Because it represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me tell you what that means and why that's important. It's important because it was signifying the fact that everybody is welcome in the kingdom. That no matter where you're, where you're coming from, no matter what your background, no matter what your culture, you are welcome in the kingdom. And so it's not just random that there's 12 disciples. It's not just random that they had to fill that spot. It was intentional. Say intentional. So now it's time to choose who's going to take Judas's place. And Acts 1 gives us a critical detail of what we need to look at that's going to really help us today. Verse 21 in Acts 1 says this, Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. See, again, oftentimes we hear about the 12 disciples. That was his friend group. Let's just call it that was his favorite group. But then he had an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. They were his inner circle. I need to let you know that it's important that in this season that you have a Peter, James, and John. 
You might not have 12 people that you can call a friend, but I declare that if you can have a Peter, James, and John surrounding you when you need reinforcements in the spirit, I I dedicate to you that today God is saying, I'm fortifying you. And so there were the 12, there were the three. But there were actually, if you didn't know this, there were 120 that walked with him on a regular basis, that witnessed the miracles, that were there and around when Jesus got baptized and he came out of the water and they heard the sound from heaven from God saying, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. They were there from the beginning. And so this spot of this apostle that was going to take the place had to be a day one. This apostle had to be a day one. No, the disciples, they weren't on hashtag, no new friends. You know, we get a little boozy sometimes when we kind of make it a little bit. And we say, nobody else can come in my inner circle. What if God says they should? <laughs> but in this case right here, the disciples, they, they weren't trying to just be people who alleviated people, but they had to stay strong with what, what, what the confines of what God said was. And this spot, again, needed to be someone who had seen Jesus be baptized, who had witnessed the miracles, who watched demons flee, who saw him turn water into wine and made his journey across the earth. Let me say it like this. They had to have history with him. They had to have his story alive in their lives. And so as we're looking at this today, Acts chapter 1, verse 23 and 26, again, it talks about the fact that this person had to be a witness of the resurrection. It had to be a person that was there. In verse 23, it says, so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed. This is key. Then they prayed. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. Let me back up, rewind it, and play it back. It says, show us who you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. I think they were a little salty right there. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, daddy, I'm telling y'all, just start reading the Bible a little slower sometimes. So, all right. God, what it's saying right here is that God chose the 12 to begin with, and now God is choosing again the 12th person. It goes on to say, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Okay, so casting lots was the Old Testament kind of form of discovering God's will. A present-day example of this would be like shooting dice. All right, follow me. A present-day example would be like Peter saying, all right, daddy needs a new pair of sandals. Okay, press. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And so what would happen right here really, though, they would actually take two rocks, and they would write the names of each individual on that rock. And they would put the rock in a container, and they would shake it. Again, praying first, they would actually say, whichever name came out first, that was the one that God chose. Now, some of y'all are sitting here thinking like, okay, so is that how you became the pastor of Victory Midtown? (laughs) 
No, that's not how that happened. That's not how that happened. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because this was the last time that the church actually used this form to actually see and discover God's will. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, it talks about the Holy Spirit now has come to be a counselor and to be one who gives us guidance and who gives us direction. And now we don't have to shoot dice. We can say, Lord, show us by your spirit because you are alive. You're a well. You're not historical. You're present day. And so what we see right here is that on this day, God chose Matthias. Say, God chose Matthias. And so you can read this right here and kind of feel sorry for Barsabbas. But I want to let you know that this not only was an indication of Matthias's heart being right, because remember, it says, you know the heart of every person. This is not only an indication of Matthias's heart being right, this is also an indictment on the readiness of Barsabbas. Now, I know some of us equal opportunity people here are like, oh, that's not fair. God is not fair. Come on, favor ain't fair, baby. And sometimes what we do is we try to pacify things when people are actually just not prepared. Their heart is not right. And we look at them from the outside and we're saying, well, no, why didn't you do that for them? You don't know what they're doing in the dark. But God knows. And so if we believe that God is sovereign like we say we believe he's sovereign, we have to know and trust that he really knows how we are for real, for real. Not just what you present on a platform, not just what you present on social, not just when you, what you present when it's your time to do the presentation, but what does your whole body of work look like? And so we can take some cues here from this passage, and I want us to read Acts 1.21 again and learn from it. Verse 21 says this again, therefore it is necessary to choose from one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from them. Now, again, so the prerequisite for you to be considered was that you had to be there since Jesus was baptized, right? And both Matthias and Barsabbas were there, which means here's a major key, major key alert. Here's a major key. When Jesus first chose his 12, he didn't choose them at first. When Jesus first chose his 12, they had already been overlooked. Like my coach looked through me and picked somebody else, they had already been overlooked. Can I make this real today? Can I take it another step further? I need to come down and see y'all for a minute. See, we see a lot of people, we see a lot of things, and we think all things are made equal, but they're not. And we serve an intentional God. I keep saying the word intentional. I need to let us know that God is intentional. And so there were 120 people walking with him. And Jesus needed to choose 12. So let's just go with it. Jesus went down and he, he would look them in the eyes and say, okay, I choose you. Stand up for me. I choose you. I choose you. He would look at you and say, oh, I choose you. Stand up. Stand up. He would look at you and say, I, I choose you. I choose you. You know, you're, you're tapped. He would look at you, Andrew, and, and pick you as a disciple and say, stand up, I'm with you. His name is actually Andrew. This is my father, if y'all didn't know it. <laughs> he would look at you and say, stand up, stand up. I want you to flow with me. He would look at you and be like, come on, stand up, stand up. Come on, stand up. You, 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 stand up. 
I love you, but not for this time, not for this time. He would look at you and say, stand up. I need you to walk with me. I need you to walk with me. I have some major things. He would look at you and he would say, I'm looking in your eyes. Stand up, stand up. He would look at you and say, stand up. He would look, he would look at you and say, yeah, yeah, stand up. You got some stuff I need to use. He would look at you and he would be like, you know, not, I need you to stand up. I need you to stand up. He would look at you and say, I need 12, so stand up. You got 10 on today, but stand up. Now, Imagine being at an environment where 120 people were there and you were one of the 120 that didn't get picked. What is it like, not when your friend rejects you, not when the person didn't answer your call, but what is it like when God says, nah, not right now, not yet. What do we do when we see everybody else around us that we even have been walking with and we see that we probably have some qualifications that they don't have? Mm, But God says, not not right now, not yet, not yet. See, the thing that we need to realize is that this wasn't, we read the Bible as this quick thing. This wasn't this short time. Now it says these other 120 people walked with him for three years. See, he didn't choose the 12 and then send everybody else away. He chose the 12, and then the other 120, the rest of them, they still walk with them. Y'all go ahead and sit down for me. Give give them a a hand of applause. So this is what I need us to see. There are times when God will say, not yet, not now. But watch this. There came a time around again where God would choose. And this time when he came around again, there was a time that one of them were ready and the other wasn't. And so what we're looking at right here, a critical thing that I've learned over the years is that you can tell a lot about a person when they experience rejection. You can tell a lot about a person when they don't get what they want. You can tell a lot about a person when they feel like they have the credentials. They feel like they've sown the time. They feel like they've done all the right things, put themselves in the right positions, you know, kind of set themselves up for success, but they're not picked. When they don't get the promotion, when the person breaks up with them, when the coach doesn't call your number, some people pull back and shut down, but other people press in and rise up. And so as we're looking at this, some people, what they'll do is they will attach their identity to that moment of rejection. And they get paralyzed and they always see themselves as a person that, oh, I wasn't good enough. That I didn't get picked. And so I need to let us know something. This is something my wife said years ago when she was preaching. Can I give you this nugget for life? I need you to grab this All the time, whenever there's a time where you don't get picked and you feel like, you know, maybe people are passing you up, you need to know that man's rejection is God's protection. I need to say that one more time. Man's rejection is God's protection. We have lived a life long enough to know, we've seen it over and over again, that we just need to be patient when we see that we're not picked. We've witnessed with our own lives times and people that have not picked us, and we look back a year and a half later and say, thank you, Jesus. Can I get somebody in here that has a testimony that would just say, thank you, Jesus, for not picking me. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking up with me. 
Thank you, Jesus, for firing me. If you never would have fired me, I never would have started the business. If you never would have overlooked me, I would have had to share in my profits. If you never would have said no, I wouldn't have walked into this new identity of yes. Somebody needs to say, thank you, Jesus, for not choosing me. But you can only say that when you have the right perspective. Because if you get looked over and then you wallow in your kind of licking your wounds and you wallow in your uh, self-absorbed motion right there, you will miss the whole moment. You will start to say, well, maybe not God, God is not for me. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And that, that's not always the case. And so my question is, when you're overlooked, are you going to roll over and play dead? Or are you going to get up and brush your shoulders off? Are you going to get up and say, God, I believe that I'm going to learn from this thing here. And next time, somebody say next time. And next time I'm going to be ready. Come on, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play, coach. Come on. And, and so I believe, watch this. I believe that Barsabbas, he thought the story was over. I believe that the key in this particular example and story is that Barsabbas thought the story was over, but Matthias was like, I got some work to do. I, I want to work on myself. Because here's the thing. I believe that Matthias encouraged himself. Now, you got to, again, slow down for a minute. I'm just getting this little revelation. We always quote the scripture, uh, um, encourage yourself in the Lord, but the Lord rejected him. So I believe he encouraged himself, and I believe he pulled back to the prophet Habakkuk and said, you know, though it may tarry, I know that the vision is yet for an appointed time, and I'm going to wait on it because as I'm patient, it will surely come if I don't faint. I told y'all, this has been in my spirit. I feel like God wants to make sure we understand how to walk through life when things don't go our way. Because he told him to wait, but something is certainly coming. So here's the question. How, knowing that everything's not going to go your way, it's not going to actually pan out all the time, how you navigate it, how do we prepare ourselves to be ready when the next opportunity arises? How, like Matthias, do I stay ready, watch this, to keep from having to get ready? See, that's one of my models. I, I, I walk around already. I, I walk around, you know, uh, there was a video that was done like last year. Somebody caught me randomly at a coffee shop, and they put the microphone in my, in my mouth. I had a word for them. Because I'm not waiting to get ready. I wake up with the Lord on my mind about the, my father's business. And so I didn't have to go look at my iPad and look at my phone and try to say something real quick that was canned. I said, thus saith the Lord to you right now. So here's the thing. How, are we, how do we get ready when God calls our name? Number one, we have to guard our potential. Guard our potential. Let me say this clearly to you. The devil hates you. I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this today. The devil hates you. He hates every bit of potential on the inside of you. He hates every thought of you prospering in life. He hates the very thought of you actually moving past the point that you are right now. Let me just let you know this. If you're not in Christ, you probably are not being bothered by the devil that much. Because he's like, you playing on my team anyway. 
But when you come into Christ, if you're wondering why, when I said yes to Jesus, it feels like all hell started to break loose, it's because he's like, now I need to release some opposition on you. So he hates you. He hates every bit of potential around you. He would rather crush the egg instead of deal with the chicken. He would rather have tried to kill Moses before he began being a deliverer to Israel. Watch this. He tried to kill Jesus as a baby before he could actually get into his adulthood. Watch this. If the devil couldn't kill you in the womb, what he wants to do is to pollute your potential. If he couldn't kill you in the womb, what he's now trying to do is to try to talk you out of the reality of who God called you to be. Can I, can I minister to someone right quick? I have to do this because the Lord told me to. As I was on this part of the message and preparing, I was like, God, I don't really want to get all into that. But he said, you need to say what I need to say. There is somebody in this room or listening to this message right now that you are contemplating abortion. Watch this. Specifically due to convenience. Specifically due to this is not the right time. Specifically due to I didn't plan for this and I have these things that I need to do in my life and I, I was going to go to school and I had this job offer. I had this thing that I was going to do over here. Thus saith the Lord right now, do not go, with, go through with that abortion. God has a plan for that child. God has a purpose for that child. We have resources to help you as you navigate through walking through this. We're not just praying at you and say, go figure it out. We're saying we'll walk with you. And that is the reason, that is the reason why abortion is such a big deal. That is the reason why we stand strong on the fact that we believe that God says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nation. Watch this. I said it already, but I want to say it again so you can catch it. We must guard our potential from pollution. We must guard our potential from pollution. Because if you allow yourself to be polluted, what you'll do is you'll lose sight of the promise that God has for you. And when you lose sight of the promise that God has for you, this is what happens. It doesn't always happen overtly. It doesn't always happen all at once. But little by little, you start to let your foot up off the gas. Little by little. You start to say, ah, I don't have to go that hard. Little by little, you start to say, well, nobody sees me anyway. Little by little, you say, well, they're just going to pick that person every time anyway. They don't want to pick people that look like me. They don't want to pick people that think like me. They don't want to pick people that have the history that I have and have come from where I've come from. But I need to let you know right now that unless God says you're not the pick, you are the pick. And so here's the thing. Remember my college football career. I had taken on this mentality that I was going to go hard and I was going to guard my potential. I had taken on the posture that I was not going to allow the enemy to pollute my potential. I wasn't going to draw back. I was still going to work. See, I was the person that while everybody was at the party, while everyone was at the step show, while everyone was on the yard, I was in the gym. I was working out. I was running heels. And so by the time my junior year came and I stepped up on campus, I came in jacked. I went from like 160 pounds my sophomore year to 185 pounds. I was like, I'm actually weighing a little too much right now. 
But what happened was, is I had made sure that in the dark room, behind the scenes, I was putting in the work. Behind the scenes, I was doing speed training. Behind the scenes, I was making sure that I was refining my hands. But behind the scenes, I was preparing so that when my number was called, I was ready. And watch this. When I stepped in my first game of my junior year, I had a breakout game. I got, like, captain and, you know, uh, all-star of the game. I think I scored, like, three touchdowns. And I was like, how you like me now? I didn't say it like that. I was humble. Thank you, Jesus. You know how we do. So remember what I told you. Basically, I kept working. But remember I said last week, and I said it on New Year's Eve, the ploy of the enemy is to get you to stop. The ploy of the enemy is to get you to sit there and lick your wounds and say, oh, woe is me. But when you do that, the devil wants to do this. He, he wants to slow you down because then you can justify self-medicating. <laughs> he, he wants you to kind of just sit there and he'll say little subtle things like, you know, it's all right for you just to watch a little OnlyFans. You deserve a release from that stress. It's okay, you know, they didn't give you the promotion, so go work on your side business on their hours. No one will ever know. They'll know. No one will ever know. They'll know. (laughs) He'll say things like, you know, it's okay for you to have a few glasses of wine every day when you come home from work (laughs) because you need to release that stress. You you deserve it, and you just need to make sure you're relaxing right now. See, again, what we don't realize with that, though, is this principle that's in your notes. What you do in the dark can disqualify you in the light. What you do in the dark can disqualify you in the light. And my rhetorical question to you that only you know the answer to is, have you been faithful in private so that God can bless you in public? See, we we can't say this thing that, you know, I'll change when I get the promotion. I'll change when I get married. I'll change when they give me the microphone. No, until you change, you will never get that microphone. Until you change, you'll never get that promotion. And so as we're looking at this, God, listen to this very carefully. This is the word of the Lord. God is actually protecting your future by not giving you something that you're not ready for. And so Acts 124 says this again. Then they prayed before they rolled those dice. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. See, this was a heart decision again, y'all. The picking came down to the heart. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And the disciples, they found these two men that were good candidates. Both looked good on the outside, but God saw the heart and chose Matthias. And so here's another principle for you. God is fanatically committed to what's going on in your heart. It's not enough just to have it up here. It's not enough just to have it outside. He's fanatically committed to what's going on in your heart. And so I need y'all to lean in for me real quick. Come on, lean in, lean in. I need to to tell y'all this truth. Tell y'all this truth. I love a church that's just kind of like, I don't know what this is, but just come on. (laughs) Listen to this. Consider this. 
Maybe the reason you're not married, that you didn't get the promotion, that you didn't actually get that business off the ground yet, that you didn't necessarily get the crew of people that you've been looking to walk with, is because God has given you time to get your heart right. Consider that if he gave it to you too soon, you would actually abort something that God meant to live. Consider that your timing is not God's timing. But you have an opportunity to get prepared. You have an opportunity to make sure you're leaning in. And so I need to say this to somebody in the room right now, that your future, the future that God has for you, it's worth you saying no to that sin. You can lean back. We have to guard our potential. And we have to decide, listen again, that we're going to stay ready to keep from having to get ready. I was talking to a member yesterday on the phone, and we kind of started talking a little bit about the message that I was kind of just sharing some wisdom for his life. And he said, Pastor Mo, that sounds good. There's a Caribbean saying that says, don't rush the pot. Basically, they're saying, don't try to get the food out too quickly because there's still some things gelling and, and boiling and, and making sure they come together so they taste right and so that all the nu nutrients come out the right way. I want to say to you, don't rush the pot. Walk through the process that God has for you. Number two, how can I be ready when God calls my name? Grow your potential. What would have happened if Barsabbas would have took what happened to him and used it as fuel to grow? What would have happened? Maybe he stopped at this reality and said, okay, I'm just going to always be looked over. Because here's the thing that I believe. Too often, people will prematurely judge the future based on now. Here's a rhetorical question for all of us. It's in your notes. What would happen if I decided to keep growing instead of resting in my current state? Life is about growth. Can you say that with me? Say life. Is about growth. about growth. And I thought about this and I said, some of us are stuck in the high school version of ourselves. <laughs> Both positively and negatively. We refuse to grow. For some of us, we were the it person in high school. But we're still trying to use that same itness today. <laughs> and it ain't working, y'all. The clothes are from 1990. Those lines that you've been using are from high school. And others of us, you're getting stuck because you were a late bloomer. And you're still operating like that. You're still operating like you're going to get looked over. And, and for some of us, those are the ones, you know, that, that kind of wait. You can't wait to get to the high school reunion. Some of y'all that have come up in the last few years, <laughs> you know, y'all the ones that go and you got to make sure you're there. Back then you didn't want me. Now I'm hot. You're all up on me. We have to be people who understand that, yes, the vision is for an appointed time. But this is what I want to let you know. I prayed this in prayer yesterday. We need to understand that we are all time released by God. So if you've ever taken certain medicine that's time released, you might not feel it right then, but as it kind of works with the chemistry of your body at just the right time, it's released. You're time released by God. And so I get asked the question a lot, did you ever think that you would be doing what you're doing today? Absolutely not. Because I've shared with many of you that I, I was a high-level introvert. 
I was extremely shy. Somebody's like, I cannot even imagine. No, I was a, a very much an introvert. And what I realized were two important things as I started to navigate through life. I realized that it wasn't just about me not having enough. I realized that God had his hand on me protecting me. That he didn't allow me to get into certain things because he didn't want me to be derailed into things. I thought I was being rejected, but God was saying, you're being protected. The second thing that I did in that season of walking through that is that I committed to continuing in my growth. That was my secret weapon that I was going to continue to grow. And so here's the thing. Again, commit to growing. Making sure that you're continuing to move forward. That job you want that you didn't get the first time, get the certifications that you need to make sure you're a better candidate next time. You want to get married? Start actually working on the things that you need to work on in yourself and start asking yourself this simple question, would I want to marry me? Some of y'all are like, I might not be getting married till 2030. I believe God can do a quick work, but you got to do the work. Here it is. Grow yourself and do the things. You feel like you're, that God is calling you into ministry? Watch this. Read your Bible. Pray. Equip yourself. Grow yourself and be faithful in what seems like the smaller things. Here's something that's an insight that's worked for me. Keep a yes in your spirit towards life. Keep a yes in your spirit towards the things of God. See, the key is, I got this. We were out yesterday, and the Lord just gave me this download, and I wrote it in my phone. Many times, we overestimate what God wants to do, and we underestimate our responsibility of what we're supposed to do. We're saying, yes, God, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly, but he's saying, you have to do something. Yes, I'm able, but I'm not going to bless you where it's going to end up cursing you. And so my life, <clears throat> excuse me, my life has been a series of yeses. Small yeses from high school, it was a series of yes being committed. In college, it was a series of yeses. When I came out of college, it was a series of yeses. I started to show up early and stay late to help with the ministry. I started to be a person who showed up at our pastor's office to iron suits that he probably wasn't even going to wear on that Sunday, that people would never know my name, that I was behind the scenes praying and doing things. I never thought that I would be preaching and doing these things, but when my pastor, the late Bishop Long, said, okay, I see you. There's thousands of people right here now. I need to actually let you know that you are able. He pushed me out in front of thousands of people when I was shy to say, you can do this. And all I did is say yes. Some of y'all don't know the story even of uh, Victory Midtown. Five years later, you know, as we are here today, you might not know that really this is the culmination of a yes to God. When Kendra and I said yes to Pastor Dennis and Colleen, this church had probably about 150 people generously that were showing up on a regular basis. We have some day ones in the house. And over the years, it didn't make sense at the time for me to say yes to that based on what I had come out of. That's a, that's a nudge for somebody in here. Some of y'all are looking at opportunities that you need to say yes to because it doesn't look on the surface like you, what you think you need to be walking in. But you have to ask yourself the question, did God say? And so here's the thing. Five years later, now the church is now almost 12 times more of that amount of people because of a Yes. Luke 16.10 says this, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Here's the third thing. Simply go do something. Go do something. You have to release your potential. See, we always talk about potential being something that did not happen yet. But I need to let you know, for some of y'all, your potential is tired. 
Your potential is tired. I heard this recently, that potential is what people see when what's in front of them is not what they want. Potential is what people see and settle for when what they see in front of them is not what they want. And too many times we settle too much for potential instead of saying, God, stretch me. And so I need to let us know, I'm talking in here. I love it, Ruben. I love it. <laughs> we have to be people who says, I'm going to personally commit to dying empty. That I'm not going to walk around this earth and I'm going to die and take all of the gift and the talent with me to the grave. I'm not going to make the cemetery rich. Let me just say this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Can I say this to you? Again, my late mentor will say this all the time. It would be a shame to have died and never lived. Too many people are getting stuck by the what if police. What if it didn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What if they reject me? But I need to let you know your blessing is on the other side of your attempt. And we need to be a people that stop shrinking back. We need to seize the opportunity because many of us are passing up opportunities, but nobody else knows you passed up that opportunity but God. But the question is that I want to haunt you is how many people won't get delivered? How many people won't get free? How many people won't get a result of what you're supposed to bring into the earth because you are not preparing yourself, because you won't release your potential, because you won't keep just getting ready and getting ready? You won't go. How many people are going to look at you in heaven and say, if you would have just said yes, my life would have been more rich. C.S. Lewis says this, the smallest good act today is the strategic point from which months later you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. Here's the thing. My charge to us today is that we need to move forward with God. We need to do something. Yes, you may have been overlooked, but here, don't look at it as I was just overlooked. Look at it as an opportunity to get ready. Look at it as an opportunity to get your heart right and to make sure that God is actually doing something in you so that preparation and opportunity meet together and it breeds success. I want to pray for you. Bow your heads. In this moment, first, I want to pray for those who need to receive the Lord through salvation. If that's you in here today and you've been saying, I've been living this life all by myself for a long time, trying to do it all. But you say, today I want to stop doing it by myself and I want to accept Jesus in my heart to change me, to forgive me of my sins so that I can walk free. If that's you in here today, please lift your hand right now. I just want to pray for you. I see your hands. I see your hands. God bless you. God bless you. All over this room, let's pray this prayer together with fervor and with strength. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And today I make a decision to repent and turn from my way of doing things. Today I accept you as my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. And I believe that because of this confession that I am now a child of God and I will live forever with you in eternity. And I can say confidently that I am saved.
right here while you're sitting in your seats. As a matter of fact, just go ahead and stand up all over the room. Stand up all over the room. I want to quickly just speak a word over those who you may be feeling overlooked. You may be feeling like it's not going to work. You may be feeling like, man, I was passed over. But I want to say to you today, it's not over until God says it's over. And because you can still, it's not over yet. So if you're in here right now and you even feel like, yes, I, I felt like I've been overlooked at one time or another, I want to speak a special word of grace over you. If that's you, just lift your hand right now without any shame, without any shame, without any shame. I want to declare this scripture over you. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever souls to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Father, I pray over your people now, and I declare, God, that we are more than enough, that we are well able to do all that you've called us to do. Father, I declare right now that we are going to be a people who stand strong in you and walk in our potential. Not leaving potential as something undone, but we will step into the promise, God, of the potency that you put on the inside of us. God, I pray right now by the activation of the Holy Spirit that each and every person at this service today, everybody under the sound of my voice, they will walk according to purpose this year. They will stir up every gift on the inside of them. And where they thought they might have been behind time, you are setting them up right on time, and they will do what they need to do to be ready when you call their name. Father, as we send ourselves out of here today, as we go out of here today, we are sent to be witnesses by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Give God praise right there. Come on, give God praise right there. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I want to say this, and I'm, I'm going to close the service this way. I'm going to ask our prayer leaders to come, front, come up front. If you're in here today and you still need someone to match their faith with yours and pray with you, we want to do that. We want to make sure we're connecting with you. If you gave your life to Christ today, number one, we celebrate you, but we want to make sure we connect with you with one of our prayer leaders or at our one-step wall because we want to make sure you're able to journey along this thing in a, in a fruitful way. But I want to say this. If you're in here and you need to take a step, next week we're actually having a leadership meeting. And that leadership meeting is going to be with all the campuses. And this is for anyone who wants to be a part of the team victory, to do anything to push forward what God has for us to do, to serve in any area. You can show up here next week on Saturday. It'll be right after corporate prayer at 8, so you might as well come to prayer and then stay for that. Amen? I want to bless you and send you out of here. And we're going to go forth and walk this thing out. God, I thank you. God, I bless you that you are the one who redeems time. I thank you that I'm so encouraged that as we have heard the word today, we will not harden our hearts, but we will go out of here on fire and on purpose to be all you've called us to be as witnesses. I declare that we will live and not die to declare the mighty work of the kingdom, and we will walk this thing out with fervor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, Victory. See you next week.